Welcome to Sips with the Tips, a podcast about savouring the sip, whether that's coffee, cocktails, whiskey, wine or whatever. My name's Daniel. And I'm Nikki. And we are the Tips. Uh, so delighted to say welcome to episode one of Sips with the Tips. It feels actually a little bit surreal to be finally hitting record on an episode. Uh, it's something that we've been... We've been talking about yeah. it for so long. Yeah, it feels weird to actually be here. It's changed form so many times, but like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely been a few months and we'll come back to that. But uh, at this point, you might be wondering, like, what is it? We gave you that little brief summary at the start. So I thought what I'd do is I'd pull out the uh, the longer description that we've, um, that we've spent a bit of time painstakingly writing. So yep. it's a little bit formal, but it's a podcast uh, to discuss the passion and craftsmanship behind our favorite beverages that includes whiskey, wine, coffee, craft beer, cocktails, etc. We're going to be sharing news opinions, discussions, and answering your questions. It's one part educational, one part entertaining, and entirely powered by our passion for savouring the sip. That makes it sound way more slick than it's actually going <laughs> to be. It's given it a, isn't it? Given, building up our grandeur <laughs> uh, there. But it sums it up. Uh, so as to who we are, my name is Daniel. I'm Nikki. We are a husband and wife. We are, our surname is Tipping, hence Tips. Probably should explain that right at the start, I think, fair yeah. to say. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you're picking up on the accent, you're like, hang on a second, I'm trying to place those. I'm from New Zealand, Nikki. I'm from the north coast of Ireland. But we met a few years back in Scotland where we've been living. Well, I was there for six and a bit years. You were there for... Yeah, almost ten by the end, yeah. And when we met, uh, drinks is one of the things that we very quickly bonded over, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, you'd scouted my Instagram pre-first date and decided that a girl that had pictures in Isla and Oktoberfest as well, yeah. you're like, oh, I could carry a conversation with her. Yeah, so you had not long been to Isla for a wee whiskey So I was just back, yeah. You'd not long been to Oktoberfest. I'd done those two things in the 12 months prior. So it was like, oh, oh, obvious talking points there. Conversation uh, won't be too dry. Nah, we went for our first date. Uh, I'd just come back from a marathon that was a themed around Dram whiskey. Fest, yeah, yeah no, Dramathon. Dramathon, that's it. We went for a few pints, uh, ended the night with a whiskey, if I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was a Singleton 12. Yes. Does that yes. sound right? Singleton for your last nice. night. It was a Singleton. Hey. Hey. About, <laughs> she's yeah. on it. How about that? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so drinks is something that we bonded over pretty quickly, uh, sort of throughout our relationship. Um, whiskey and beers and yeah, wine we and were stuff. both it's... like independently super interested in it, and then when we met, yeah. it was like ooh. Now we've gone like full nerd mode on it, right? In so, like a cool way, though. Yeah, of course. So a few <laughs> yeah, months sure. back, uh, we moved back to well, we moved to Nelson uh, in New Zealand, which is where we're setting up a life now. Uh, I was looking for a, a new kind of vocation. So when we were in Scotland, one of my hobbies was putting together videos. Had a YouTube channel, just nothing sort of fancy, just sort of tourism-y sort of things, going different places in Scotland, getting some nice scenery and shit like that. Basically filming day trips. Kind of. Uh, and then it was I was looking for more of a focus on it because I didn't feel like it had much direction. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out what that was. And I don't know if you remember this, how this idea came about, but it was one night we were talking about, uh, what was it? It was single malts versus blends and kind of the merits of each. You say you talking, that? it was more about arguing. We had a full-blown <laughs> fucking argument about it. Not uh, not an argument, but a debate. We had a debate, a debate about it. And I remember walking away from that being like, my God, we're passionate about this topic. And then the next day at work, it was like 
a light bulb moment. It was like, holy shit, there's our direction yeah. right there, right? So it was going to be a YouTube channel, and then over time, it's kind of this is too much information, but it's morphed into into a podcast. Uh, I've got a background in radio, a very clear passion for whiskey. You've got a background in the whiskey industry. Yeah, I used to work for a creative agency um, within the drinks industry, so it's yeah. Yeah, did a bit of a time at a, a whiskey and cocktail bar when we moved here to Nelson too. Uh, yeah, so did a wee bit of hosting and a wee yeah, bit of that kind of thing. Put together the passion, the knowledge and kind of interests and a podcast kind of seemed like a good choice. Unsolicited opinions. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, Self-entitled yeah. knowledge. <laughs> so sips with the tips. Uh, we have kind of a, a, a bit of a running order that we'll go through each week. Today's going to be a bit different because, of course, it's a it's an introduction to, to the show, really. Uh, but we've got a few sort of staples that we're mm-hmm. going to include each week. Our first bit. The first bit will be our Sunday sip. So this will be our chosen drink for the week and we'll just basically give our thoughts on it and kind of have chat through a little tasting on it. Yeah, so that'll change each week. Uh, one week it might be whiskey, then wine, coffee, tequila. We've got a nice bottle of tequila. Whatever we're feeling, really. Yeah, and ideally that'll kind of link to our main talking point for the episode. So some of the things that we'll be talking about in coming weeks will be um, things like how to taste or how to do an at-home tasting, uh, pairings, not just food pairings, but kind of situational pairings, reasons to keep a tasting journal, different coffee brew methods. We've got a whole list of things that we want to get covered off. And then we'll move through into our... Uh, booze and brews news section so that'll basically just be I think I'll pull maybe like three key headlines from the week of what's been happening in different industries and give a little insight into that so whether it'll be a distillery opening or something to do with the grape harvest or I don't know a new a new coffee roaster opening Mm, just mm. little little tidbits like that yeah just whatever's making headlines and then each week we want to feature uh you know kind of interaction as well so we're going to have a question that we'll pose to you uh or maybe a poll uh, we'll share your questions, comments, feedback, all those kinds of things, any kind of things that made us laugh uh, on social media. And you can follow us. Uh, we're at Sips with the Tips on Instagram, and we have a, a fair bit of content going up there. Yeah, and please do engage so it's, you know, not just us answering our mum's questions every week. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure they'd be great. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So moving on to our first Sunday sip for the week. We'll get there shortly. Going to uncork something. We thought quite a lot about what we wanted the drink to be for week one. Uh, yeah, feels set like a, the tone yeah, it's a bit of a kind of ourselves. milestone for the show, of course. So we sort of debated between a few different drinks. Are we going to go whiskey? Are we going to go wine? Which one are we going to go with? And what we've settled on is something pretty special. It's a whiskey that we both love. Um, I would say it's probably it's probably in my top five, certainly of kind of most drinkable drams. Yeah, yeah, it's super palatable and just really reliable. Yeah, I just find it, it's cosy. and it, it's Yeah, it's one that you can return to time and time again, right? Yeah. It's a distillery that we have both been to, uh, one that we're particularly fond of for one reason more than others. Uh, when we went there, it was on a walking tour in Dufton, yeah. which could be a bit of a clue. Uh, and I remember at this distillery, you'll remember this too, something we both love. They have a, a pond out front. Yeah, yeah. And it's full of ducks, right? And when they built this pond, or when they did up the pond or whatever they did, they were a bit concerned about the ducks getting in and out because it was a little bit high. So what did they do? They put a bloody duck ramp in. So now the ducks can just waddle themselves into the water and see they haven't taken this big jump. Very, very cool. Uh, great time doing that walking tour. I think that was with Speyside Tours, was Speyside it? Speyside Tours with Michelle, yeah, yeah, local lady. She was yeah. great. Brilliant day out. So our Sunday sip 
for episode one is... Balvenie Doublewood from the Speyside region of Scotland and it is 12 years old. So it is aged for a minimum of 12 years in traditional whiskey casks and it is first off aged in kind of your most traditional American oak ex-bourbon barrels and hogsheads and then it is moved across into Spanish oak ex-oloroso sherry casks for an additional nine months before then finally being transferred to these like big oak vassals called tons uh, to allow the whiskies to marry. And I think that in the end is an additional three to four months. And that's where he gets the name Double Wood. This one here uh, is ABV 40%. Uh, it retails here in New Zealand for 115 bucks, which kind of pisses me off a wee bit. <laughs> Over in the UK, you'll get these for about 45 quids. As, uh, yeah, uh, but then it's got a long way to ship, which I kind of understand. And this one's been a staple for Balvenie for a long time. I think they started making these in 1993. Yeah, so okay, not that long. Almost 30 years they've been keeping this one. So I think it's the same vintage as Nicky Tipping. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the cork off this, let's pour it out, and let's get into our first Sunday sip, eh? Okay, so Sunday Sip episode one, uh, I'm going to uncork this wee fella and uh, pour some out. And while I'm doing that, can you just tell us what we're going to be covering off? Sweet, yeah. So each week we're going to be running through the presentation of the liquid. So the bottle and the packaging and then the liquid itself. We'll chat through the aroma and the flavour, any thoughts we kind of have around that. And then we'll finish off by giving you the distillery's perspective on it. So what you quotation marks should be experiencing when you have it yeah this one here uh this bottle of double wood in particular has a little bit of sentiment to me as well so as we mentioned um, we moved back from scotland to new zealand mm-hmm. around about seven or eight months ago while in scotland i had a job for a wonderful organization called the edinburgh dog and cat home and this bottle here was my leaving gift from them they chose very bloody well so i don't know what do you say about the bottle the packaging we don't have anymore because we've had it for a while but it come in that nice cylindrical kind of standard tube thing which is fine i don't really feel any yeah to be quite frank i feel like there's nothing of note about the packaging and i don't mean that in a negative way i just mean that like it's cool it's traditional whiskey it's like a nice stock of label that feels a bit luxe there's some foiling in there but it's every single thing you would expect from a whiskey in terms of packaging it's there except i hate the cork it looks like mdf Oh, uh, yeah, I hadn't really noticed that. Yeah, it I looks quite, cheap. i got to be honest, I quite like the curves of the bottle. Uh, it's got, I don't know. Yeah, it's but it's an nice off-the-shelf like, bottle. It's it, yeah, it standard. Looks, it looks good on a bar. It looks good on a shelf. But really, there's nothing that kind of jumps out oh, about it. Really, super cute, there. classic whiskey for a classic liquid. Yeah. Okay, so we've poured out a couple of these. Um, before we get into it, let's talk about the, the liquid itself. Uh, color-wise, it's gold, amber, yeah? Yeah, gold, amber. Quite rich, actually. It's got a nice, like, it holds the glass quite well. Um, we haven't got them in a traditional Glen Cam. We've got a slightly fancier glass for episode one, but uh, I think it clings to the side pretty well. It's got a little bit of sort of viscosity to it. Got it's some not, legs to it. Yeah, it's not crazy More thick or anything. More legs than I've got. Um, <laughs> Aroma-wise, what are we thinking? I mean, I love the smell of this. It's just mm. so, like, it's so inviting, you yeah. know? This is just, I don't know, it's just, I, I can't fault it. You know, this is why I can just keep going back to Doublewood. Like, it's it's one I'll just... I'll, I would pour this out every night and have a dram of this before bed and not ever get sick of it. Is that fair? Yeah, it's really... I find it, it's really comforting. Not one of those whiskeys that you're like, oh, you stick your nose in and then you have to take it back and be like, whew, okay, give me a wee minute here till my brain processes what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's simplistic, but in, like, a beautiful way. 
It's kind of what you would expect from a spay. I think, is that fair to say? A spay side's the region that Doublewood's from, and if you're familiar with the spay side area, their whiskies are traditionally quite easy drinking, right? They're yeah, like it's quite smooth, yeah. quite sweet. They kind of got that Highland sort of honey characteristic to them. Yeah, there's de- and I think um, something Balvenie prides itself on as well a, a lot is the honey notes that come through. Mm, that's a big thing. That's a kind it's of like a, a staple of their range, well, yeah. right? So anyway, we've sort of bagged on about it a bit too much now. Let's uh Let's drink it. Let's drink it. Slancher. Slancher. <sighs> Again, I'm just a huge fan. It's just smooth, so smooth. It's easy. It's so palatable. It's got a nice sweetness. It's not too sharp. We haven't even put any water in this and it's barely got a burn. It doesn't burn at all. That's a sensational drop. I really bloody love this one. It's like it makes me feel like how you feel when you drink hot chocolate on a rainy day. Yeah. You know, like a hug from the inside. I worry that because it's been around for so long and it's just such a, like a staple, most bars would have a bottle of this going that oh, some yeah. people would kind of turn their nose up at it because it is so kind of entry level. But it's just, it, whiskeys like this, they stand the test of time because they're good, right? If this was shit, they would have stopped making it in 1995. But they made it in 1993 and they're still making it today and it's still selling like crazy. But it's also like, complex doesn't mean good always sometimes simple things are great and i feel like this whiskey is a perfect representation of that they found something you know nearly 30 years ago that worked Mm. and they just kept doing it like what not everything not every whiskey you have needs to challenge your brain to the nth degree as to like am i tasting tar or am i tasting like treacle yeah like you can just taste it and be like yum what was that (laughs) thing we were i think it was like a um, maybe it was about wine uh it was a documentary watch was either about whiskey or wine, but it was like someone was saying the thing that we need to ask ourselves is, is it delicious? That's the only thing that anyone really cares about is, is it delicious? Like who cares how complex and what the price point is? It's like, does it taste good? Do you enjoy it? I think and that was this that one here gets a massive tick. It's yes. Tell us what the, um, what are Balvenie actually saying about this one themselves though? So from Balvenie's perspective, what the, what the experts say mm. on the nose, you should be finding some sweet fruit and oloroso sherry notes. No shit. Um, layered with honey and vanilla. So mm. yeah, pretty simplistic, gorgeous. On taste, it is smooth and me- mellow with beautifully combined flavors, nutty sweetness, cinnamon spiciness, and a delicately proportioned layer of sherry. Interestingly, they don't say anything about honey on there. Nutty sweetness, but... Also, I feel like that's a cop-out to say that the nose gets sherry notes and the taste gets a layer of sherry. <laughs> yeah, it's what like, does that mean? What does that well, mean? Well, also, it's like, oh, it's aged in sherry. Like, we, we, we get we that. Get it, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, finishing is long and warming, which I 100% agree with. It yeah. is cozy as. I think safe to say this one here is uh, very safe, very friendly, very inviting whiskey. As I said, I've given this one to some people that don't traditionally drink whiskey and they haven't turned their nose up at it, which sometimes they would for for other drops. This one here is, I would say, perfect for new drinkers of whiskey, which is why we've chosen it for week one, because what we're wanting to cover off today on episode one of Sips With The Tips is the best beginner whiskeys. Look, maybe you've just joined us on this podcast and you're thinking, wow, these guys really bloody love their whiskey. I want to get into whiskey, but where do you start? It's not a very inviting industry, is it? No, it's like 
it's so intimidating, especially by the fact that there's like an encyclopedia of knowledge. And as as an entry level drinker, you're made to feel like if you don't have that knowledge and if you don't understand every single aspect of the production, then you can't appreciate it, which is complete bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. So we're covering off this week best beginner whiskies. Now, in uh, one of the near weeks coming up, we will be covering off kind of how to do a tasting. Like, how do you sort of really appreciate the liquid in the glass? But the thing you got to do before you have the whiskey in the glass is you've got to know which whiskey to pick because there's an enormous range out there thousands and thousands of options Mm -hmm. and if you don't pick the right one you could probably be turned off whiskey pretty quickly so what we're going to cover off today is in our opinion uh, some of the most entry-level kind of inviting friendly easy to drink whiskies that we've come across and I thought maybe the best way to get into that would be to cover off a bit about how we got into whiskey what our kind of journey journey into whiskey appreciation look like yeah um do you want to go first or you want me to you you go first okay. i feel like yours is more of a traditional journey than, uh, <laughs> i suppose it is. is so yeah back when i was a young larrikin um as most young larrikins do started off with uh drinking a bit of um i can't remember if it was either jim beam or jack daniels and coke lads, 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 having lads. an absolute <laughs> shit time on it but you know just drinking it because it's a, a easy way to get messed up really really fast uh so yeah it wasn't really into that put me off for a little bit if i'm honest but i think around about Age 2021, 20, my best mate got me on to Tullamore Dew from Ireland, um, which is a very smooth, easy, palatable whiskey to drink. Yeah. And I was mixing that. I was mixing it with, I think, ginger ale, which I, w- I won't lie. Makes was it not LMP? Scent. It might have been LMP, which is. You're making yourself sound fancier than you were. Lemonade. <laughs> um, but it, it was a sensational way to get into it, and it makes a really, really tasty drop. Tullamore Dew, LMP, or lemonade, or. or Ginger ale. Um, ginger ale and ice really would recommend that one and then from there just kind of developed a bit of a taste for whiskey as you do and then over time gradually putting less and less mixer and then decided one day look I want to get into this neat I got myself without really any education in it just blind luck got a bottle of Glenmorangie 10 which uh, was certainly one of the whiskies I would recommend as a beginner level, a beginner kind of entry level mm-hmm. whiskey. Super easy to drink, and then a Macallan Twelve, which is another one. Both uh, Highland Spay, so super easy drinking, quite sweet. Some of those really nice honey, heathery sort of notes. Uh, really enjoy both of them, and then the rest is history. Just kind of world was opened up from there. How about you? Mine's kind of more a bit expected, but also to start with as well. It's like super hard being a younger female getting into whiskey Mm -hmm. I feel like because it's just not it's not a product that is is marketed towards you but being from north coast of Ireland I'm from Port Stewart it's just around the coast from uh Bushmills so Bushmills was just where I started um it was behind every back bar and it was always in every family member's house and I'm pretty sure my dad also used to tell me that he used to dip my uh dummy in Bushmills when I wouldn't sleep very well or it was like every time I complained I I sneezed around my granny it would all of a sudden there would be like a hot Bushmills and lemon and honey set in front of me and I'd be like I'm 12 and yeah Irish parenting tactics folks you heard them here first (laughs) so Bushmills mainly yeah Blackbush and Bushmills 12 were probably where I started and then when I moved to Scotland was when I started getting into it a little more mainly because I just like learning things and it felt like and grown-up school trip when you go to a distillery or when you do a a tasting. So I did a couple like whiskey and cheese or like whiskey and chocolate tastings and that was when I kind of, my eyes were open towards peat and I sort of, I'm pretty sure my next 
distillery of note that I loved after the, after Bushmills was Ardbeg. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is, yeah. <laughs> it's not a traditional journey. <laughs> Jumping off the deep end, right? Yeah. Uh, so I suppose a few tips we'll share before we get into uh, a list of kind of whiskies that we'd recommend. Uh, things that we've sort of just picked up from years of drinking whiskey and mm-hmm. sort of learning what we can about the uh, about the industry. Um, we'll just go through these one by one. I yeah. think the first one, and this is very important to note, is price doesn't always equal quality. Is that fair? Completely fair, especially if you're an entry-level drinker. You don't want to drop 40 quid on a dram and hate it. Yeah. So <laughs> I think one of the dirty little secrets that we're just going to unveil about the whiskey industry right now is price. Uh, when you go into a whiskey bar and you are spending a ton of money on a whiskey, that's not necessarily because it's that much better, but because there is less of it. And that is often how the pricing structure works. If you're just starting out drinking whiskey, just go for... You know, just go for the entry-level stuff because oftentimes it's entry-level for a reason because, yeah. Well, also, if a distillery has put in the infrastructures to be able to produce en masse that liquid, they must think it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't produce en masse something that they viewed as shit. Yeah. No, just, just so to save pissing anyone off, price can sometimes equal quality. Oh, d- you know, yeah. There, there is an upper limit to that. Like, you know, if once you start paying a bit more, it is because the quality is that much higher and there's less of it because of that. But, but there's I a think, threshold to it. Yeah, definitely. And for most people starting out, don't go out there and spend $100 on a single dram because you think it's going to blow your mind. It will not. Spend $10, $20 and yeah. you'll probably have a great time. Um, next one, uh, water and mixes. Uh, I think they're your friends. I mentioned before I got into it through Tullamore Dew, mixing that with ginger ale over time, just decrease the amount. Mixes can be a good way to kind of get your palate used to some of those flavors. Um, it can be an opportunity to kind of introduce different aspects of the sweetness as well, depending on how you're playing yeah, around with it. And lowers the ABV a bit as well. If you're not quite used to drinking, you know, bloody cask strength, then... Yeah, yeah, and if you don't want to sort of mess around with mixes, that's absolutely fine as well, but a wee bit of water will do wonders. Um, a lot of people recommend putting ice in. I know a lot of people prefer their whiskey with ice. On the rocks. We've kind of got some strong-ish opinions about the use of ice. Uh, I just, not every whiskey works with ice. Sometimes you put ice in it and it's detrimental to the liquid. Like, you yeah. don't enjoy it as much. Yeah, I think it, when... But as an entry level, Yeah. I think, yeah. When, when, dis- when distillers are putting together their liquid, right, they are anticipating it being enjoyed neat for full kind of immersion in the flavor of the whiskey, the way it was crafted. It is meant to be drunk neat. But ice can be a great way to kind of introduce yourself to it because it does two things. First of all, it drops the temperature, which mellows out some of the kind of stronger notes and the intensity of it. And then, of course, as the drink warms up, it also dilutes. So yeah. it makes it quite palatable the whole way through the journey. And this is one that you th- you said to me uh, was give it a chance. Well, it, I feel like when you first start drinking whiskey, you take that first sip and you're just hit with this wall of burn. Mm. And you're hit with, it's a little bit of an assault on your senses and you're not really sure what, what the crack is there. So if you just give it time, and they, there is that old kind of um, myth that you should hold the whiskey on your tongue for as long as it was aged as a minimum. So if you're having a 12-year-old, hold it on your tongue for 12 seconds to let it simmer down. And what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I disagree. I'm, I was going to say it's horseshit. I think it... I think to <laughs> I don't ex- buy into that at all. It's it's a nice sentiment and like the romantic side of me is 12 like... 12 seconds for a fucking whiskey on your tongue. That's yeah, a very long what time. What happens then when you get up to those rare exquisite ones that are <laughs> fucking like 52 years old? What about the Macallan 52? Hold, or the 81-year-old? Uh, hold anyway, it on your tongue. We'll come back anyway. to that. 
yeah, so just, I suppose, expanding on what you just said, uh, give yourself time to develop a palate. Like, uh, there's not many people out there that take a sip of whiskey and they're like, hmm. Yeah, yeah that's pretty it. good. That's yeah. me for life yeah. now. It, it takes a little bit of time to kind of get to the point that you're really understanding the notes and the flavors and appreciating them to the fullest extent. It's, so just go easy on yourself. It's a long-term relationship. It's not a one-night stand. Yeah, and uh, the final one I've got here, and this is I'm running the risk of pissing some people off here, but uh, in a quite a generalistic sort of sense, I would say your two best friends when it comes to which whiskey do you buy, look for Irish whiskey. And look for Scottish whiskey, but specifically from the Speyside region. Now, that's not to say that Japanese whiskey or Highland whiskey or Isla whiskey isn't going to be perfectly drinkable Mm -hmm. for a beginner palate. But I think the concentration of beginner-friendly whiskies, I would definitely put most of them in Speyside or in Ireland. Is that fair? I think so, yeah. Obviously, there'll be exceptions and there'll there'll be you know, experimental finishes and that kind of thing within like the Irish realm that will not be ideal for uh, an entry-level drinker. But on the most top-level view of it, you're more likely to get a Speyside or an Irish. Yeah, and actually... And looking, looking in general, Ireland, Irish whiskey can be a little bit more... Um, Gentle. Yeah, and just looking ahead at the list of uh, w- beginner-friendly whiskies we've got in front of us, actually, I've kind of broken the rule book on exactly what I just said anyway. So, you know, but it's t- not take ru- it with a grain of salt. It's not a rule book. It's just, you know, if if you're looking to get into it, Spay's probably a good spot to start because yeah. you're more likely going to have that florally light tone as opposed to being punched in the back of the throat with Pete. Well, that's the final point I was going to raise as well is, uh, again, a bit of a catch-all. Again, this might piss some people off, but I would say if you're starting out, probably avoid peated whiskies just for the start. Some people will drink peated whiskies as their first whiskey and be like, shit, that's how I expect it to Hi-ya. taste. I love it. A bit yeah, like you, yeah. totally. But I would say for most people, people yeah, it's a 80 lot. 90%, probably ease yourself into that one. a bit too medicinal. One. Yeah. Unless you're into that, like me. So we'll get into the list anyway. We've um, we've written down a few of them. Uh, we sort of collaborated on this and come up with a few that we each sort of put forward as to whiskies that we think are really good for people starting out on their whiskey journey. I'm going to come in with the first one and the one I wanted to recommend, one that we had a couple of winters ago in Scotland, wasn't it, mm-hmm. is Dalwini Winter's Gold. Now this is a distillery that is... It's technically in Speyside, but they self-categorize as being in the Highlands. This is something I only just recently learned. If you're in Speyside, you can choose whether you categorize as Highlands or Spey. Some do both. Um, but Dalwini categorizes themselves as Highlands. And Why? I think, I think the reason for it is because they are they claim to be the highest distillery in Highlands. Highest. I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Speyside uh, is kind of more, you picture next to the river, next to the river Spay. Always in pursuit of that USP. Yeah, totally. So this whiskey, uh, Winter's Gold, is distilled specifically between October and April, the coldest months in Scotland. And as I say, they're the highest in Scotland, which apparently is a contested. It may actually be Brave Isle, um, which is part of Chivas, uh, Chivas Brothers. Mm. Uh, they may be tied. I think it's about 1154 foot elevation or something like that. Uh, but this Delwini Winter's Gold really leans into that cold theme, which you can get just by the name of it. So they actually recommend drinking this one directly out of the freezer, which is how we tried it when we first got it. And I think that adds quite a beautiful sweetness to it. This one here is extremely sweet to the point that it's almost viscous. It's almost like sticky 
to mm. look at, and the honey notes on it are unlike anything I've ever tried before out of the freezer. It just it just dulls the burn of it completely, and it's so easy drinking. And I think as an entry-level whiskey, you have that one out of the freezer, you take a sip of it, it's super sweet, you love it, and then as it gradually warms up, your palate kind of warms with it, and I think it's just it's a beautiful way to get into that flavour. Yeah, it's dead nice, and I think we can contest firsthand how easy drinking it is wasn't didn't we get absolutely smashed on that in lockdown whenever we had it so drinking it straight from the freezer i think we ended up putting away nearly two-thirds of the bottle in one night we did that was around christmas time wasn't i got it like on a special at tesco's we were in lockdown there wasn't much else to do yeah oh yeah no that's a that was a a lot it's a special dram yeah but i mean any whiskey out of the freezer is going to bring the sweetness right to the fore but this one here in particular really left an imprint on my brain it was just so beautiful and easy drinking and I would say would be right up there uh, with my recommendation for beginner whiskeys. What do you got for us? Uh, Mine is I'm going to go back to kind of one of the places that I started whiskey and it is Black Bush Mm -hmm. by Bushmills. So it's one of the most well-known Irish blends out there and it features a lot of sherried malt alongside your alongside (laughs) alongside your kind of classic caramel grain and it's easy drinking neat or perfect for use in cocktails because it is so versatile Mm, but mm. yeah blends are also quite a good place to start for um if you're wanting to get into the whiskey scene yeah also blackbush is exceedingly affordable so if you don't want to drop a lot of cash on something that you're not sure if you're going to enjoy a mass mass produced blend it's probably a good place to start. Yeah, that's one where I'm kind of You're opening guilty. up that door for your palate, yeah, you know? Yeah, I've kind of been guilty of this where I kind of wrote off a lot of Bushmills because I was like, it's so cheap, it must be shit. But They do some amazing yeah, stuff. Yeah, we've got Oldest one. Oldest distillery in Ireland. Mm, i got one in my shopping cart online at the minute and I might actually buy one after this episode based purely on that chat. Sorry, that Balvini. <coughs> Next one I've got is uh, one from, and again, I'm kind of tearing up those rules I just, or those tips I just uh, shared before, and I said kind of avoid Isla a wee bit. This one here is from Isla, and I'm not sure whether I'm just a bit biased because I love this distillery, but Brook Laddie Classic Laddie, I think, is another great one. It's a hard one to narrow down to say, yeah, it's definitely the one to go with because this one, it changes year to year. They, yeah. don't, um, they don't try and keep it super consistent. They want to showcase the barley. So uh, as far as kind of understanding Understanding how the barley affects the flavor of a whiskey. This one here, I think, is quite good. Um, Notes-wise, it's just I just find it to be quite an inviting drop. Um, fruity, it's fresh, it's inoffensive. I really love this one. What else you got? Uh, my next one is more so. It's not really something that I had drank a lot of mm-hmm. um, until we came to New Zealand. But in my brief stint we mentioned earlier in the whiskey bar, it was one of the most ordered drams, which I was quite surprised about. Mm. But it's Edradar Ten. And it just palatable, easy drinking, mm. super affordable as well. It's not something I a distillery I'd heard a lot about in Scotland, but it seems to be quite easy to get in New Zealand as well, which I think played yeah. into it. But yeah, every every other day we were getting an order for that. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding, right? If that's what people are ordering and they're coming back and ordering it and they exactly, aren't having yeah. a shit time with it, that's normally a pretty good sign. Uh, next one I've got is Glenlivet, uh, specifically the Founders Reserve. Uh, you'll probably remember, maybe you won't. Uh, we did a whiskey tasting with some mates uh, with the running club that we were involved with in Edinburgh. Oh, uh, no, I do remember, yeah. yeah. And we all had to bring a bottle of whiskey. I think this was a Speyside theme, I can't really remember. Uh, but our friend Chris, he brought a bottle of this one, Glenlivet Founders Reserve. 
Reserve. Super easy drinking. Don't really have much more to say about it than that. Didn't leave a massive imprint on my brain, but I remember we polished off most of that bottle between the six or seven of us that night. Easy Just peasy. Super easy to go to, quite affordable. Um, would certainly recommend that in the list. Yep, and my next one uh, is Glenmorangie La Santa. So it's... Yeah, because I'd say Glenmorangie 10 was how I got into it. Yeah. But La Santa, that's... That's sherry, sherry finish, yeah. So I just feel like it's a really good example if you kind of have your baseline like, oh, okay, Highland whiskeys, I'm kind of into that nutty mm. spiciness. But you want to understand the influence that cask has upon the flavor. And I just think La Santa is a perfect symbolism of this. And even um, the color of it's beautiful. And Bill Lumsden, when he was making it, said that they made it in pursuit of trying to bottle the feeling of watching a sunset. So apparently every time you drink La Santa, it should be like every time you watch a sunset and uh, it changes each time and you notice something different about the flavor. You know, each time you watch the sunset, you pick up a different color. You see it from a different perspective. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. It's kind of, I like it from a little bit of a branch spiel because I feel like it gets you in the headspace for being in an appreciative tone rather than just blind drinking. I was going to rip into that for being a load of shit. If I didn't love Glenmorangie and I didn't enjoy La Santa, I was going to be like, <laughs> but it's, I understand. I appreciate it. Yeah, you do notice different. Yeah, that is actually quite a it's nice. It's a good spiel. I sold a lot of drums yeah. spouting that one in the bar. And the last one that I've got on the list here is uh, again uh, perhaps a little bit controversial. But look, some people they do come into whiskey and they expect that big smoky kind of peaty flavour, and they love it. I, I know I got into peat pretty quickly. Octomore was one of the first drams I tried. You like the Ardbeg stuff, yeah. but I'm gonna say Bemore Twelve. From Isla, I would say definitely deserves a place on this list. Uh, I wouldn't ordinarily put something with Pete Smoke in a list of beginner whiskies, but this one here just has the gentlest peaty kind of aromas. You know, it, it's it's got that smokiness to it, but in such a nice, refined, inoffensive way that I feel like it really deserves a place on this list. It captures the kind of Isla aesthetic really well. Um, it's got those nice like briny kind of salty notes to it that you get with a lot of Island whiskies. It's got a nice sweetness that balances it out. Uh, it's one that again got a cheap bottle of it from Tesco's or, or Asda I think a couple of years ago and just demolished it in no time because it was just such easy drinking liquid that I think it definitely deserves a place on this list. Your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. It um, kind of reminds me of like just a classic Scottish gentleman. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. It's just like he's quite refined. He's a little bit rough around the edges sometimes. There's a wee bit, you know, a wee bit of smoke there. He probably has a pipe. Um, but I just get that feeling from him. Yeah, okay. Like inoffensive, but you have a good time. You know, he's in the armchair in the corner with a book and a pipe mm. and probably a little a little spaniel of some sort. Yeah, that's I, what I feel like. I he can is. understand. I can I can see you him. You can see I it. can see him. You I know, can see him. That's yeah, yeah. who he is. Yeah. I feel like Bamore should have you on their marketing team. They'll bloody double down on that. <laughs> But anyway, that, that, that makes our list up. Uh, a whole bunch of whiskeys there. If you're looking at getting into whiskey, uh, kind of entry level, and you're thinking, oh, fucking hell, there's too many Where bottles to choose from. Which one do I go with? I think any of those would be an absolute safe bet. It's not an exhaustive list. There are dozens and dozens more whiskeys that would be a perfectly good point to jump in on. But there's a few that I hope will help you. Uh, so starter for 10. Yeah, hope you get into your whiskey journey and start appreciating this beautiful amber drop. Let's get into the news, eh? 
Okay, time now for our booze and brews news, the section of the show where we hand over to Nikki at the news desk to share a few headlines with us about the drinks industry as a whole. What have we got today? So first up, we have uh, the announcement of a partnership that has been super hyped. That I've seen like PR about this everywhere, but it was finally released this week and it is Boom Moore and Aston Martin have uh, come together to release it one of their oldest single malts at 52 years old and it's retailing around 75,000 USD. Holy shit. (laughs) I didn't realise the price was quite that high. Yeah. So there's 100 hand-blown decanters to be done in staggered release and basically Aston Martin have designed this... it's undeniably beautiful, like this beautiful decanter using all of these like really progressive methods. I think they've done 3D printing as well as traditional handcrafted clay modeling. And then every single one has been hand blown Mm -hmm. as well. So it's gorgeous and it almost effortlessly balances on two points, showing like the engineering and that kind of thing that they work with. Uh, I just want to add a wee bit to this. So we saw the announcement of this kind of get teased in the week that was, right? They were sort of hyping up this thing. And I think the wording that they used was this was the the pinnacle of their partnership. They made it out like this has never been done before. Admittedly, the decanter is beautiful. Like stunning. it looks stunning. No one, no one is buying this dram to drink. They no. are putting this on a shelf and this is gonna, you know, it'll age or beautifully. Sit on it and release it in auction and make it oh, bank. 100 percent Yeah, no, it'll it'll the value will skyrocket on it as time goes on. But come on, it's a car dealership and a whiskey distillery pairing up. I'm Fuck so off. like <laughs> I'm so bored. Like, it's gorgeous, stunning, love it. But also, a distillery and a car brand. Yeah, I I love them more. Wow, I I I didn't expect that. I love the distillery. I love Aston Martin. I love both of them as companies, but just... Shut I up. just, <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, it was just a whole lot of fluff, wasn't perpetuates it? toxic masculinity yeah. within the whiskey industry. Anyway, uh, one last point on that one. It is also, uh, it comes in a presentation box that is opened using a bespoke magnetic key. Oh, is that what that little square thing is that comes with it? Yeah, like you're opening ah. a car because everyone wants to open a box like you open a car. Yeah, I saw the images of it. I couldn't figure out where the hell that fit in. Anyway. Sweet. Anyway, moving on sort of more wine related a little bit closer to home for Daniel Mm -hmm. and I about um, the New Zealand wine industry basically last year wine fell by 14% in terms of sales because they had a really bad season Mm. there was lots of frost everyone was a bit like ooh what's gonna happen and then obviously coming into 2022 they had the challenges for this vintage um, from COVID-19 and labour shortages and I'm sure everyone's aware New Zealand had their border shut for so long that they couldn't get a lot of the workers that they had and they had to get workers from elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah I can speak a little bit on that because I actually spent this uh, the summer uh, six months or so working in uh, the wine industry labouring out in the grapevines bit of an educational experience for me but yeah I can certainly speak to those labour shortages I know that uh, the one I was working for they weren't too bad for staff but we were getting door knocked by a bunch of other neighbouring vineyards who were really struggling um, for a whole bunch of different reasons so I don't know what they ended up doing in terms of their grapes but but basically that the Headline is that despite these challenges, the 2022 harvest produced 532,000 tons of grapes, um, with virtually every re- every region being involved and all principal varieties. So we are looking for a good vintage for 2022, which That's is bloody good to hear. Yeah, I quite surprising. Was, yeah, I thought I honestly thought that uh, the kind of harvest was going to be a bit low because of the shortages. But to be honest, we could kind of see 
sorry, just going back to last year a wee bit, pre-Christmas, I remember the Gris in particular at the um, the vineyard that I was working at, the crop of it was just unlike anything I'd seen before. We looked at them and we were like, holy shit, this is, this is going to be a pretty it's good year. Good. Uh, yeah, and sure enough, um, you know, we had a fair bit of rain and stuff and that caused its own problems. But the once it came around to harvest, I think the tonnage was up like, phenomenally higher than last yeah. year so I'm really not surprised by that bit of news yeah excited to see what comes from it and our final headline is to be honest just a bit of a weird one I saw it and mm. I was like what vines grown in space have come back from their spatial journey and they are showing greater resistance to climate change mm. So vines which have spent more than a year growing in zero gravity conditions on board the International Space Station have come back and science have been scientists have been running uh, loads of tests mm. way above my brain level but basically they are searching for organic solutions for the future of agriculture on earth which is pretty mental how bloody good eh we might all be underwater but we can still get pished on pino priorities in the right place guys 100 <laughs> percent. thank you nikki that's this week's booze and brews news moving on now to our final section of the show which is where we kind of set a, a bit of a question for the week ahead on our instagram channel uh, Admittedly, at this stage, we've only got a few followers, um, so the poll results for the next few weeks might be entirely our siblings. But if you are hearing this, <laughs> we would love your opinion. Join us at Sips with the Tips on Instagram. And this week's question is really quite a simple one. Following our topic this week, it is just quite simply, what do you think is the best beginner whiskey? This might be the one that you kind of started your whiskey tasting journey on, or perhaps it's one that you've tried in, you know, after a few years of drinking whiskey and you're like, shit, I wish I started with that one. Mm -hmm. We don't really care. Just share it with us. At Sips with the Tips on Instagram, tell us what is your best, most recommended beginner whiskey. And the other thing we want to do, um, wanted to, you know, ordinarily we'd sort of share your questions, comments, uh, anything that we found interesting on the gram across the week, but we've only just started out on there. So I thought this week, why don't we just share uh, a couple of interesting accounts that we've come across. So I've got one here that I wanted to give a wee shout out to. It's at Ushki Just a Drop. Uh, at Ushki, so that's double O S H K Y underscore Just a Drop. And this is a wee Scottish startup, and they've made a, um, you know, what do you call it? Like a wee uh, dropper. Yeah, wee dropper. So it drops drips of whis uh, water into your whiskey. Um, and it's just a beautiful little porcelain thing. I thought it was very cool. I'm hoping that they're going to ship to New Zealand at some stage because I wouldn't mind getting one of them for myself. Yeah, way more aesthetically pleasing than a pipette. Oh, shit, yeah. Anything you've got? Um, I had the account at the Amber Prism. Um, so it's just a gorgeous photography account where we've just been like loving all the content that we've seen come from him. Yeah, nice. And the final one I wanted to shout out was one called, uh, well, account, very big account, at Imbibe. Uh, they had a recipe for a strawberry hot charter that really got the taste buds going. So Ooh. I do want us to give that a wee go at some point this week if we can try to get our hands on some strawberries at some stage. And that's the last call, Bell. Uh, so before we wrap things up, I really just wanted to say a huge thank you. Really, really, uh, really special having you join us for episode one. Uh, we truly hope that you've enjoyed the content. It's been a little bit more long-winded today. Of course, the first episode, we've had to introduce a few things, but things will uh, become a little bit more streamlined in future weeks, I we'll hope. We'll get better, or, we promise. <laughs> or maybe the chat will get more loose as we get stronger whiskey. Who knows? Uh, but any feedback, anything that you would like us to cover in future episodes, please do 
let us know. Uh, we're very responsive to any suggestions or ideas. Just join us at Sips with the Tips on Instagram. You can DM us anytime. But really just wanted to say it is, is very much appreciated having you listening to us. And each show, um, one thing that we thought we'd do that'd be a bit of fun, we'd like to shout out to an unofficial sponsor. And today, Nikki, who have we got? Today's show is brought to you by the foresight of Balvenny Distillery to consider the mobility needs of the local Dufton Duck population. Bloody good. One for you, Balvenny. Cheers. Slancher. Sips with the Tips is written, recorded and produced by us. Theme music by all good folks via Upbeat.io. Keep in contact at our website, sipswiththetips.com or through our Instagram channel at sipswiththetips. And as always, sip sensibly, savour the sip, and we'll see you next Sunday.